Let's try that. There it is. Hello. We're off to a great start, everybody. We got some visitors going, nah, I'm not coming to that place again. Okay, so uh, if uh, you're visiting with us today, it's an honor to have everybody here. Uh, I want to shout out to Sean Green. Uh, we had a chance last week. Uh, Sean preached over here. Let's give it up for Sean. Heard a lot of great things. Uh, I, did, I did feel sorry for the, the east side. Did not get the better end of the stick on that one. So anyway, uh, and I did hear a couple people uh, uh, sent me some encouraging texts this morning. I guess on the radio, they're playing my message from last week, and that's encouraging. Uh, years ago, somebody said, John, you should get into radio because you have a face for radio. I'm not sure what that meant, uh, but anyway, it's on the radio today, so we're thrilled to have that. And all the folks online, we're thrilled that uh, you went through Swanil, shoot that nearly 200 people. Uh, that's pretty amazing that God is working in amazing ways. So let's pray, and then we'll get in the message. Heavenly Father, uh, we're talking about a tough subject, but really it's a great subject. It's about money. And uh, really we know that uh, money is a matter of the heart, and it matters to you, uh, because many times our money determines our priorities. And so, Lord, we just pray that our priorities are always striving to be lined up with you. And it's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. So I'd like you to take your scriptures, go ahead and turn over to Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21. We're going to read this together. It's going to come up on the screen. So if you all stand, and we're going to read this as one and as a community. Uh, Here we go from Matthew 6, verse 19. Here we go. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You can all be seated. So I love the fact that uh, throughout Scripture we have uh, almost 2,300 verses in the Bible that deal directly with money. 10% of all of Jesus' teaching dealt with priorities as far as possessions and money. 16 of the 38 parables address possessions and money. And yet the average church uh, in America, evangelical church, the giving is between 2 and 3% of people's overall giving and what they've received through work. So uh, this is an important subject. Now, let me just say this, that there are a lot of ministers. I've had uh, a lot of friends over the years, and ministers, believe it or not, in general, do not like to preach about money. Now, here's where I'm strange. I actually enjoy it because I have none, okay? So uh, I hope you know how I'm approaching this this morning. But here's a few reasons why I know ministers have a hard time preaching about money. Number one, visitors. Uh, I've had people say uh, on the way out, I had some friends who visited today. I'm so thankful you didn't talk about money. Because if you're a visitor, your first thought is, is that all they ever talk about is money, okay? And the answer is, if you're visiting, yes, we talk about it all the time. So anyway, we want you to know that that can be, I get it, that can be a, a struggle. Number one, two is money is personal. I get that. Uh, very personal. One of my favorite comedians is Brian Regan. And he talks about something he learned years ago is you never ask a woman if she's expecting. Because the moment you ask one woman who's not, you realize, I never want to be there again. Why? Very personal, okay? Same thing. You don't go up to somebody and say, hey, can you tell me what you make at work? And tell me about your 401. No, no, no. That's very personal. So I get that. And then there is this. I love the Marine slogan, the few, the proud, the Marines. 
But you know, in every occupation, uh, every occupation, no matter how noble it is, law enforcement, education, ministry, and every occupation, there's always a couple of dipsticks. Can I have an amen? Okay. So amen. Okay. So believe it or not, in the, in the world of ministers, there are a few of us out there that make everybody else look bad. They're called televangelists. Do you know what I'm talking about? So, by, so when you see pictures like this, this is one televangelist home, and I don't want to share anybody's name. Sounds like Noel Goldstein. But anyway, <laughs> it bothers us, doesn't it? Because we're like, I wonder where the money's going. I wonder where the money is going. Now, just so you know about me and my wife, Marie, we're very simple people. How simple? Uh, where I live near McCormick's Creek, they put in a brand new Dollar General or Dollar Store. Pretty excited about it. Not kidding. It's great. So you need to know we're simple, but this is a very important message. Oh, that fell there. Okay. So we're going to look at two realities concerning money. Tiffany, what are you laughing about? That would not have been heavy. <laughs> Reality number one, money is a matter of the heart. And turn with me here to Mark chapter 10 and listen carefully. This is a powerful story. Uh, there's this man, rich young ruler. He comes and has this amazing conversation with Jesus, and we get a chance to hear it, okay? Mark 10, starting in verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him, fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the uh, commandments. You know shall, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and he loved him. That's critical. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have Give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Now, it's interesting in the Bible, it identifies people in different ways. Sometimes it identifies somebody who has a significant position, king so-and-so, or a prophet, or even a priest. Sometimes somebody is identified by a normal occupation. For example, uh, Joseph, the father of Jesus, was a carpenter, okay? Uh, many of the disciples, what was their occupation? They were fishermen. And then we even have a couple of uh, uh, wild cards in there, don't we? Uh, Zacchaeus and Matthew were tax collectors. And then there's others that are uh, identified, interestingly enough, uh, by a moral lapse of judgment or... Uh, a struggle, a physical struggle. So, for example, Rahab was a prostitute. And we know that uh, Jesus healed the lame and the blind. And it goes on. But a lot of times we don't know those names. What's interesting here is we don't have a name, but we have a definite, definite characteristic that, that stands out. And it's above the heading in everyone in those, these stories that we just read. The young ruler. What kind of ruler? The rich young ruler. Now, if you put that together, think about it. He comes from a Jewish background. We know that because he knows the law. So he's rich 
and he's young, which means he probably inherited that money, old money, and he's a ruler, which means every day he tells somebody what to do so that he gets his way. Now think about that combination, rich, young, entitled. And he approaches Jesus, and he's trying to get something out of Jesus. Now what's he trying to get? What was the question? I just want to know how to have eternal life. Now, because he's rich and because he's entitled, do you know what he thinks? I can buy eternal life. If I can do something, if Jesus tells me what to do, I'll do it. And when Jesus talks about the law, you remember what he said? Oh, I already know the law. I've known that since I was a child. So in other words, salvation equals something I can do. So let's just pause there. Is that how salvation is gained, by doing something? No. Salvation is gained by what has already been been done by Jesus Christ. And some of you right now may be struggling with that. In your life, you're trying to do more. You're trying to make Jesus proud of you without realizing Jesus has already done it. It's through his grace that we're saved. And he was seeking salvation in all the wrong ways. And yet what is so sad is he doesn't realize he's trying to buy his way into heaven and it doesn't work that way. Matter of fact, that's what pride does. Pride gets a hold of us, just like Neil shared, and possessions actually become our masters. Jesus, knowing his heart and Jesus, knowing his motives, cuts straight to it and says, here's what the issue is. It's not what you know and it's not what you own. Here's the issue. Your heart's off. Possessions own you. So here's the deal. Sell everything you own and give it to the poor. Wow. Wow. Think about that. Now, here's what's interesting. The more I read and prayed over this, did you notice Jesus never said to the young ruler, I want you to go bankrupt. I want you to lose your job. I want you to never recover. No, what did he ask him to do? Just sell your possessions. Now, you think if he sold his possessions, he would no longer be wealthy? No, that wasn't the issue. The issue is it was a matter of the heart. It's the same issue for all of us. Matter of fact, continue on in verse 24. The disciples were amazed at the words of Jesus, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed, and they said to each other, who then is going to be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible but not with God. All things are possible with God. And then Peter spoke up, left everything to follow. No, we left everything to follow you. Verse 25 is a big one. Jesus looks out to his disciples. He says, listen, do you know how hard it is to be wealthy, to have all these possessions and to have your priorities straight? It's like a camel going through a needle. Now in Jerusalem, there was actually a very narrow pathway And there was an arch, and to get through that was really difficult. So he said, if you can imagine trying to get a camel to go through that, that's how hard it is to get a handle on this with your heart. We all understand that because we all know that deep inside we can be greedy at any time. I love this quote by Dave Ramsey. We buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. That's greed. Money just gets us. And so Jesus is saying, listen, I know it's hard, but you can't buy your way to heaven. But God has a way. He has a plan. 
even the farthest away, as far as somebody can possibly get, that doesn't think they can find God, God can find them. Nothing is impossible because of the love of Christ. Now, something that is funny as far as uh, motives and as far as pride, because pride shows up in all different ways. For the rich young ruler, pride was giving up my possessions. For Peter, he was battling pride. You know what his pride was? I'm an, I'm an, I'm an insider. Here's how you know that. Did you notice? Verse 28, it's pretty funny. And then Peter spoke up, as he always does, we've left everything to follow you. Did you catch that? Hey, the goofball that just left, look what he just left. He, he couldn't follow you because of money. Jesus, look what we've done. We dropped our nets. Not the same thing. You, do you think, I always wish I could have seen Jesus because I know he was perfect, but I do think he rolled his eyes a few times. Don't you think? He's like, oh, Peter, oh, my land. You know, just like parents, it's like, you don't get it. Pride is pride. So the question this morning is, in regards to money, is there areas of your life you're like, Lord, if I were standing there and you asked me to give it all up, are there things financially I have a hard time giving up? That's a question that's worth asking, which leads to reality number two. Reality number two is money can make a difference. So we're going to look at a section of scripture that I think is one of the most misinterpreted scriptures in the Bible in regards to money. And it's 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting in verse 3. Paul's writing this, this is important. He's writing this to this young leader, Timothy. He's at the very end of this letter. So he's, he's writing a very important section, like make sure you get this. So that's how we need to listen to this. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of the Lord Jesus Christ and to the godly teaching, they are conceited and they understand nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means for financial gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into the temptation and a trap that into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Read this with me. Let's read this together. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Here's the misinterpretation. How many have heard money is the root of all evil? Raise your hand if you heard that. Is that what that just said? What did you say? The love of money. And there is a huge difference. It may not sound like much, but it is. When we take one verse and lift it up, many times what we're missing is what that verse actually meant because we're taking it out of context. How do you know? You're not reading the context. If you read all of that, that's why we read this whole section. It's like, oh, he's writing this young leader and he's saying, you're going to run across a lot of leaders and they love to kick up controversies and they, they love to keep things stirred up. At the end of the day, their motives are not pure. They're in it for money. 
Beware of those people. Because that pursuit, that love of money, that'll get you in trouble every time. Not money, the love of money. It's very similar to Proverbs 16, 18. We've always heard this phrase, pride leadeth to a, anybody? Fall, okay? But listen to what it actually says in Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Now, a haughty spirit simply means uh, you feel pretty good about yourself and you get knocked down a rung or two. Anybody know? Everybody have that happen in your life? Maybe this week you felt pretty good about yourself and then something came along and you're like, I'm not all that, okay? <laughs> and when you think you're all that, God has a way of humbling us all the time. Am I right? All the time. But we need to realize unchecked pride, if you just, just allow pride to eat you alive, it will destroy your life, like totally destroy your life. It's more than just a fall because we all know what it is to fall. Uh, so for example, physically, uh, I asked this uh, first service, how many here do we have that's over the age of 60? You're a six-year-old, raise your hand. If you're, okay, so maybe you can answer this. Uh, the last couple of weeks I fall, I've had some pretty fun falls on the, on the ice. Have you noticed after 60, I fall a lot slower? I don't know what, like I can actually sense, I'm going down, like I'm going down, I'm going, I'm even talking to myself, going down, don't go down, and then, I, and then you lay there longer. <laughs> like I'm laying there like, I'm still alive, nothing's broke. And the other day I was on a hike on McCormick's Creek and got twisted around, I fell, and I got the leash and the dog, and I'm laying there, and I looked at him, I said, are you gonna come help me or what? I mean, he just looked at me like, seriously, it wasn't even that, you know, we know what it's like to fall. Every one of us know that sensation, don't we, of falling. That's not what he's talking about. He said, I'm talking about total destruction. I'm talking about if you have unchecked pride, it will ruin your life. If you have unchecked passion to make money and that becomes your drive, that also will ruin your life. Paul wants all of us to know that no man can serve two masters. But money truly can make a difference because of generosity. Matter of fact, the other day, strange phone call, we were down at the offices and uh, somebody called Amy Phillips and uh, uh, this guy said, hey, I'd like to talk to the head hog at the trough. <laughs> and Amy said, are you, are you talking about John Robertson? Because like, he's one of the ministers, but we don't want to call him a hog. And he says, well, I was, I was going to write a check for $10,000 to the Unleash Fund. So she put her hand on the phone. She said, hey, Porky, it's for you. <laughs> now, I didn't, now that's a lie, but it's funny. It is funny, okay. But honestly, all of us need to understand that money really can make a difference. The other day we're in a, a meeting and Marie shared something and it was so, it was so powerful because she said, because we realized we've been a part of Sherwood Oaks for 25 years in our lives. And she said, the, some, the, the one thing about Sherwood Oaks, whenever there's a great need, there's a great response. That generosity is a hallmark of Sherwood Oaks. That's true. That's one of the things I've always loved. If there is a major need, I've seen Sherwood Oaks time and time again just step up. So money, as far as being generous, is such an important quality. Matter of fact, this is the order. I want you to listen to this order, and I love that. There's only four things you can do with money. Number one, you can make it. 
John D. Rockefeller one time was asked, how much money does it take to make a man happy? He responded, just one more dollar. So be careful of this pursuit of making money, but that is one aspect of money. We make it. Number two is we can give it away. Number three is we can save it. And number four is we can spend it, okay? Now, do you know how hard it is to keep it in that order? To make it, give it, save it, spend it. Why? Because we live in a world that says make it, spend it beyond what you make. Isn't that the world we live in? And that's called debt. And that is not where God wants us. But what's remarkable is if we do it God's way, God's math, which makes no sense, somehow always works out. Here's what I mean. I grew up uh, with uh, my mom and my sister, and we grew up on a social security check. That's what came in every month. Now, my mom wrote a check every week to the church. And let me tell you, as a kid, I used to watch her do that, and I would love to tell you that my motives were, I'm so glad my mother's writing the church a check. You know what I was thinking? I would sure like another pair of tennis shoes. I would, why? Because I'm, I'm a selfish kid, okay? Sunday after Sunday, I witnessed that. Does that make any sense? No, because somehow it always worked out. I'm just telling you, when we do it God's way, folks, amazing things will happen, amazing things. God wants to realize for something like, for example, a tithe, that a tithe is simply an opportunity to give God your best and give God your first fruits. Do it first and get out of the way and see what God can do. There's an interesting book I recommend you read. It's the newest book by Dave Ramsey, and it's called Baby Steps. Millionaires, how ordinary people built extraordinary wealth. They surveyed over 10,000 millionaires. Here's where it gets interesting about their habits. Now, what's interesting is well over 90% were not born with money. They became millionaires. So you see what I'm saying? This wasn't somebody got a ton of money. The story usually was, no, I started with very little. But yet you have this abundance of millionaires. So here were some habits of these millionaires. Number one, transportation. Uh, They all drove two vehicles, and both vehicles were used. Second of all, their homes were paid off before they retired, and their budgeting. They still looked at price tags. They still looked for specials on the menu, and 93% said they shopped on a regular basis for discounts and carried a grocery list when they went shopping. So what does that tell you? It tells you about practically day in and day out just doing what you know you should do. Now, we'd say, it's not that easy. No, it isn't easy, but it is over a long haul. And folks, if we are going to commit, then let's commit to do it God's way. Let's just commit to do it God's way, which leads me to this very important time. We're going to be taking communion. And I thought about this verse, and you may think, well, this has nothing to do with money, but this is greater than money. It's Psalms 23.5. It says, my cup runneth over. Wouldn't you agree that we're blessed? We really are blessed. Uh, Years ago, I remember hearing Mitch Daniels was speaking, at the time he was the governor, he was speaking to a group of, I think it was third and fourth graders. 
And he asked him at that time, there was an amazing lotto. He said, how many of you want to win the lotto? Of course, they all raised their hand. He said, here's what you all don't realize. He says, now listen to what I say. Okay, this is real important. You've already won the lotto. You live in a country where you're free. And you know what? He's right. We've already won the lotto. Folks, we are blessed. Amen? We are blessed. Our cup really does run it over. Even though you may come here this morning and you're hurting, your cup runs over because of the love of Jesus Christ. And to me, when we take communion, what a time to remember that, that we are so grateful for our cup that runneth over because of the grace of Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we lift you up and we praise you because of what you have done for us. And Lord, sometimes in life it's difficult because of the shortage of money, the stress that we're under, the bills that we pay, sometimes the debt that comes at it. And us, it just wears us out. But Lord, at the end of the day, we are blessed. And our cup runneth over because of you and your grace and because of your mercy. When we break the bread and we drink the juice, it's an opportunity to just be grateful for what you have given us. And you've given us life eternal. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.